This podcast is a presentation of Gateway Fellowship, Paulsville, Washington. Experience community, find hope. Check us out at gatewayfellowship.com. Good to see everybody this morning. Hello? Yeah, hello. Online, hello. There you are right there. And uh, we'll move that stand back out of the way there too because I got instructions from the sergeant uh, upstairs that moved that stuff over there. So anyway, we want to be sure and do that. And and, uh, traditions. So traditions, good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for being over there. And uh, glad that we can um, be a part of what you're doing there. So anyway, say hi to traditions. Hello, traditions. I'm Natan. Um, I'm a member of uh, Gateway Students, uh, the youth group. And uh, Tom and I are going to be yeah, so today. sit down there. Sit down, yeah. sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Don't get Natan so excited about up. today. So, yeah. anyway, here we're doing something we have never done at Gateway before. What is that? Now I told what, you that last we week. So, what are we doing? It's the first time that we've ever had a student really team teach. Wow, no pressure. No, I'm no serious. Pressure. You're the very, very first one. Wow. So, isn't that going to be great? Yeah, it is. So, hey, I'm excited. I'm excited. I want you to meet Natan. Natan's been a part of our students for a few years now, and. Uh, is actively involved. So if you have a student that was part of our day camp, well, Natan was part of the team that was on the stage leading worship and involved. Um, if you were involved in Royal Family Kids Camp that we um, um, paused and gave the Lord thanks for last yeah. week, Natan was Amen. out there, part of that student leadership team. I'm so proud of our students. Natan, I'm proud of you. Thank you, man. I really am. I don't just say I'm proud that. of you too. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> He does a great job. I want, you to, I want you to know a little bit more about Natan and his coming. So yeah. um, prior to coming to Gateway, it wasn't that many years ago, mm-hmm. and um, you were at a, another private school, yeah. right? So yeah. your intro to Gateway was through yeah. Crosspoint. So, so let's talk about that. So, I want the people to meet you. So yeah, so I went to a middle school um, here in Kitsap County, and I, it just wasn't a great time. I was uh, kind of picked on by a lot of the faculty and staff and some of the students, and just it wasn't great, um, and then I came, I left the school, and I was in this, I'd say, three-week period of my life where I didn't have a school. Can I, can I, can I, yeah, there's an important part of the story that you kind of slid over, I think, and that is, Natan, at this other school, was, I think, the top yeah, student I in terms of student. grades, yeah. made some decisions in his life that were godly decisions, yeah. I believe, and um, those decisions were not accepted by students, Friends, students, faculty, faculty, and staff, yeah. and so Natan went from the top student to failing. Yeah, yeah. Not because your grades were bad or no, your work I, was bad. It's just it, it was, was. Yeah, it was. Part of it was what really took rough place in your life, too. right? Yeah, it was really rough. Yeah. Um, that was something that I think I held really high on my pedestal of things that you know we keep in our lives, and uh, that was something that kind of crushed me. So it kind of sent me to. An area in my life where I was really depressed. I was not, I was not me um, at all. And I'm sure a lot of you guys know how that feels, but it was, it was just really bad. Um, and so I left the school, uh, and then uh, the Bankerts actually told my parents about a school called Crosspoint, and we were like, well, what's that? So we, uh, we went and checked it out, and uh, they were like, yeah, we'd love to have you. Uh, we have no room for you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was during COVID. It was they had like they had to do the classroom thing. It was really complicated, um, but luckily uh, Miss Kong saw something great in me. I don't know what it was. Uh, she saw something, and um, she brought she figured out some way to bring me to Crosspoint. And um, yeah, God has just moved every day through my life through that. So I mean, 
thank God for everything, but it was, it's been a crazy journey getting here. So. Yeah, and from Crosspoint right here to the church on Sundays, and so we're really glad yeah. to have you. Thank you. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to team teach today in something I think is really, really important, consistent with our, our topic. So if you're brand new at, at, at Gateway, um, well, my name's Tom, and I hope we can meet afterwards in the lobby. And we've been in this series called Paul's Prison Letters, and we will be for, for a while. We're in the book of Ephesians, and um, last week... We dove into the first part of Ephesians chapter 5. I had to kind of cut it off there because, you know, it was, we had still been there, I think, by t- today. But um, we're going to dive into the last part of Ephesians 5 and into the first part of Ephesians 6. Where we'll really see how Paul speaks to us about family um, relationships. Now, part of the theme over the last number of weeks has been how, how we walk out this faith. So, as followers of Jesus... You know, Paul is um, sharing with us, like, this is, this is what it looks like. Um, we explored the disciplines, the doctrine, and so on in Ephesians 1 through 3. And now, this is how we walk this faith out. And people are watching you and they're watching me. We've talked about that for a number of weeks. And they're watching how Christ is expressed in our, in our lives. And so today, um, with Natan, We'll be offering what we're just calling some uh, student observations, yeah. and I think I think this will really connect with you. Um, it's consistent with what we're talking about and how we how we walk this out because yeah. students see things that we don't always always see. So we're going to do that. Yeah, it's going to be great. great. Love it. Yeah. So we've been focusing on 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 Ephesians. So. Um, next week, we'll be at the close of chapter 6, so you can dive in into that. But as I mentioned last Sunday, there are really two, two themes in Ephesians chapter 5. And so last Sunday, the obedient lifestyle, where Paul says, here's what it looks like. You have to be imitators of, of God. And so that was a command, um, exhortation um, from Paul to, to us. Of course, it's, it's God's scripture. And then this area of submission. So two themes in Ephesians 5 obedience and, and submission. And we're going to talk about a submissive relationship today. Um, Paul speaks of submission within the, the marriage relationship. However, it's just not within marriage. So if we think, oh, I'm not married, I'm off the hook. No, you're going to find that's not true. And, and or, um, hey, you know, I'm such and such age, I've been in this marriage life, or you can't tell me anything. Well, that's probably true. Um, but Paul says there's something about the submissive lifestyle um, to one another that fully expresses a life of Christ in all of us. And so we'll be talking uh, about that. But before we dive into that marriage passage, um, I want to talk about something. Um, and it's about singleness, right? I know, I know a lot about that. I hope so, because <laughs> what, you're going to be a senior this year, yep. so you're going to be single for a long time, brother. Oh, yeah. Okay, at least that's what we're praying, all right? But, but, but Paul talks about singleness, and I want to, I want to, I want to talk about it for just, just a moment, because um, it's been referred to as a gift or the gift of celibacy, and though you won't find the gift of celibacy, that phrase in the Bible, or you're not going to find celibacy listed as a spiritual, spiritual gift, you do find Paul speaking about singleness as a gift. And we have many singles who, who are a part of us. And I, I, w- I just want to pause for a moment and um, say to you, the gift that God has given to you fully expresses the life of Christ. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul talks about this gift. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, verses 7 through 8. Uh, I wish that all were as I am myself, uh, as I myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I really think, I mean, I, there are amazing leaders at the Gateway students who, who are single and who just really just are a light to, to a lot of the students who maybe don't relate to the relationship. Or, you know, I, I see a lot of times people use their own circumstances to be their testimony. I mean, your circumstances are your testimony to really share to others, and that is how we disciple. I mean, that's how we really share the gospel is, is through our own, you know, our own circumstances that, you know, maybe our neighbor doesn't relate to, but somebody relates to, you know, we all Yeah, we all good, good word. And so what Paul's doing here is pushing back against this stigma um, of being single and affirms that being single is actually a gift. It's not for everyone, right? And a lot of you out here will say, amen. <laughs> Amen. It's not for everyone, but it is certainly a gift from God. And though most marry, it's not necessarily God's will that all marry. So, singleness is not a curse. Amen. I want to remember, yeah, it's not. Amen. Or any indicator that, oh, he must have problems like nobody wants him, right? Or she must have problems, nobody wants him. A single Christian is not a lesser Christian than a married one. In fact, 1 yeah. Corinthians 7 seems to, seems to really elevate the single lifestyle as, as a higher calling. So as we walk out our relationship in love, we do not look down on another and this gift, right? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, like, like I said, it's, you can love another person. I mean, I love you, Tom. You know, it's, you can love in such a godly and amazing way yeah. without really being in that marital you know, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever you want to call it, type of relationship, I can still love my brother or my sister as in Christ strongly as, so. as strong as, you know, anyone right. else. Like, it's, it's crazy. And yeah. I think that's something that, like, I was not always a Christian, but that's something that that kind of love is just so much greater than any other type of love. Yeah, excellent. Good word. So John Piper says this, and I, I follow John Piper. He says, for those who remain single, God calls you to display by the Christ-exalting devotion of your singleness the truths about Christ and his kingdom that shine more clearly through singleness than through marriage. That's a good word right there. Um, I have a friend from Gateway who um, is single and is walking out this life in a way that expresses Christ. And this is what they said. What God taught me between 25 and 42 is that I am to serve him wholeheartedly. And if God brings someone along with whom I can serve God better, then he will make that clear. So it's just like, here's this devotion, right? This, this commitment to God. I'm going to serve him in all of my life, whatever phase of life I am. And we kind of illustrated that last week, that we walk through phases in our life, but all with one purpose, and that's, that's to glorify God. Yeah. So I've got some pro tips for you, okay? Um, and here they are, just three of them. Number one, um, do not communicate the feelings to a single person that something is wrong. Um, things like, oh gosh, you've been single for so long, right? Yeah. Or yeah. like can't find anybody. Yeah, I mean, right? and, and here is, is like, like we were talking about before, God moves in the mountains and in the valleys. And yeah. every season of life that we're in, 
God calls us to obey, God calls us to serve, and you know, he moves in those times. Right. So yeah, he's going to move when, you know, you just got your paycheck and you're, just, you're doing great in life, you just got the new shoes or whatever, and he's also going to move when, you know, when somebody passed away yeah, or, you know, yeah, he's yeah, going to move all in phases. every phase. Exactly. Um, uh, secondly, and this, these are coming from, from my single friend, singles, both male and female, are not a danger to married couples. I, and I, you know what? Yeah, yeah I... I I appreciate that, amen. Yeah, no kidding. So um, this is important. And quite honestly, I'm not sure I actually thought about that. But this is important. So we're doing this life together. Yes? And so that's something that we need need to remember. And then uh, thirdly, don't minimize the capacity of singles' desire to serve God and their ability to serve God. So big hand for all those, right? Amen. Now, um, I've been talking to the team about a series in, in, the, in the future that I want to do on, on marriage, and we'll be doing that. But we're diving into really one part of Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 30. So you want to take us yeah, out? I'll, yeah, uh, this is a hefty chunk of text, so it get is. ready, guys. All right, so this is Ephesians 5, 22 through 30. Um, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husbands are the head of Sorry. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is, is the head of the church. His body and, his, his, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Okay, now, there's a lot going on in this passage. That was a lot there. There's a lot going on. Yes? And if you're a married couple, you've been working this thing out in your own life. I don't care if you've been married for six months, one day, two days, or or you've been married 50 plus plus years. We're all all still working this thing out. So let's give ourselves some, some space here. But... Um, we're not going to take apart every part of the verse. We're going to do that in a series. But I'm going to ask you a question. And before I put it up, I just want you to shout it out. What's the trigger word in this passage? I'm here saying submit. There, there it is go. right there. The trigger word is submit. You're exactly yeah. right. And we, we stumble a lot on that, don't we? We, we do. Um, like, what's submission look like? What's it, yeah. what's it, you know, why do I have to submit? And some of us maybe are not naturally born, born that way because I, I think the challenge of submission begins at an early age. Now, oh, I'm yeah. sure you were the perfect kid growing oh, up. Oh, I was, I was just right. amazing. You have no idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're perfectly obedient. I was perfectly the most obedient right? kid, I think, ever. I think, yeah. yeah. No, um, yeah, I think it definitely starts at an early age, learning to submit to God and your parents. Yeah. I mean, it's, some, it's kind of a big thing to wrap your, mind, your head around, you know, but it really is important. I remember, like, when I was little, man, candy was just my thing. I would, every, every single Halloween, it would just be like, I would get so much candy, I'd just put it under my bed. <laughs> um, it, was, it was crazy. But, like, 
this submission that we learn as, a, as like a child, it goes throughout our lives. So like what I'm learning now as like I'm growing in my faith is that like submission to God is, is so crazy because it's not only like follow the rules, right? It's like follow the rules because you love and because like you're willing to serve others and because you're willing to love others. Yeah, and you know what I think you would agree with is it's not possible to say I submit to God, I don't submit to my parents. Yeah. We're gonna be talking about that in just a moment. Yeah. It's not possible to say I'm only submitted to God, I'm just not submitted to anybody else. That is absent from scripture, by the way. Yeah. Um, this life of submission is learned early in life. Now, we really have to back up into the last part of chapter four to kind of slide into chapter five and this whole theme of submission because here's what it says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's in Ephesians five um, or, or 21. We're going to admit, we're going to submit to one another. It's out of reverence for Christ. And as we do, the life of Christ is fully expressed. Now, commentators have debated this section, you know, and the conclusion of the previous um, um, section who honestly feel like, like that's just, uh, Ephesians 5 and the whole marriage is just carrying out this theme of, of submission, that the life of the believer, controlled by the spirit that lives in us, right? When yeah. we become a believer, um, whether that's, that's yesterday or you've been down this journey for many, many years, the life of the, of the believer includes one of submission to one another, first yeah. to Christ and then one another. That is, we're willingly serving others rather than dominating them. And we do this out of a reverence for, for Christ. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, and we see, I mean, as students, I know we see, we go over to people's houses, we see relationships a lot. There's a lot of, you know, children relationships. There's a lot of just marital relationships, especially as people, like, as my group of friends, we serve a lot. We do a lot of volunteer work. We see relationships. Um, we see how they can break. We see, you know, how they strive. Um, you know, I know that if we go over to someone's house and we just see that, you know, one, one of the parents has just had like a rough day and the other is just willing to just step up a little bit and just you know, love a little bit more and maybe take care of the dishes or just like serve a little bit more. I mean, we see, you know, Jesus washes his disciples' feet like for a reason. This is to show us that like even the highest of high, the, the, the king of kings is gonna step down and serve. Like that is, that is the, the most leadership you can show in a household. So if a husband is willing to step down and really serve and like is willing to, you know, do the dishes sometimes, I mean, these are little things, but like really just step down and serve because that's what it's about. I mean, it's love is, is servantship. You actually mentioned this and Tom mentioned this to me a couple of weeks ago when we were kind of talking about the passage and so on. He goes, Tom, um, and you shared that example. Yeah. We, we students are in other students' homes, you know, and we see this whole idea of submission. And we have said, you shared this with me, um, that that's the marriage that we want. Yeah, that's 100%. the marriage I want to have someday. And you even named some people yeah, here at Gateway, which we're not going to do today. But um, that's the marriage you want. And this is what we've been talking about. So how couples walk this out is viewed. And so we're calling it student observations. Like this yeah. is something you, you've observed. It's also what others observe. The life of Christ and his commitment and love for the church is to be fully expressed through the husband-wife relationship. Yeah. So what you're seeing when you're going in homes, this submissive life is actually displaying Christ. Yeah, right? that's what we're talking it's, about. It's so important. I mean, 
and this, like you have in the notes, it's, it's the highest, highest purpose. purpose of marriage. Right. It right. really is, is to like, yeah. you're getting married and you know, if you want to have kids, you have kids and to show these kids, not only your kids, but the kids around you, like what a wonderful thing that this can be. Yeah. In so, the life of Christ. Yeah. Exactly. So submitting to, submitting to one another and to Christ is a glue that holds marriages together. I've been in the marriage journey for, for a number of years. And like others here, like we can say amen to that. But it's interesting because from one of my commentaries, just listen to this. The Greek word used um, here refers to a voluntary act as opposed to a forced subordination. So it's not like me saying to my wife, you will submit or I will. It's not that at all or vice versa. One author puts it this way, it describes a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. That's what the submissive lifestyle looks like yeah. in our marriage relationships. It's, it's cooperating, it's assuming re responsibility. What's it mean? So <clears throat> how's it walk out? <clears throat> I've quoted J. Vernon McGee uh, several times. He's, he's passed on, but great Bible teacher. And he offers this, and I think it's really good. I want to pass it on to you. It's coming up on the screen. As Christ's body on earth, we need people to know us and understand a little more about what God is like. And here it is. In our homes, when a husband looks like Christ, he puts his wife first. And all the wife said, there you go right there. He provides for her and protects her. He encourages her personal and spiritual growth. This then frees her to submit to him because she knows that she can trust him. Neither is over the other in authority, but each ministers to the other in unique ways. Let yeah. me make a comment here, then Natan's yeah. going to read no, go uh, Dr. Preston Sprinkle, uh, a little younger guy, um, commenta or apologist. Um, I want to say to those of you um, who were in my mother's um, position who were doing this thing alone. Some of you have lost your husband. You've lost your, your spouse. And what I know from the Bible, what I know from experience, how God fills that, that, that void, and he, he does. Um, and we learn to lean on him and trust him in, in, in brand new ways. So, But we're Christ's body on earth, and we get the chance to fully express Christ through this relationship. Dr. Preston Sprinkle. Yeah, um... Marriage is the foundation stone upon which family and therefore society is built. And throughout scripture, marriage is used as an image to describe, to describe God's relationship with Israel and Christ's relationship with the church. Paul goes so far as to say that the human marriages are ultimately about Christ and the church. I mean, this is like so true, right? Because, yeah. I mean, I keep talking, I keep going back to this, but like it's not only submitting because, you know, you're married, you know, right. it's submitting because you love the other person. And this is telling the same thing. Christ loves the church, right? And so right. The, the church, we, we have to submit to Christ. I mean, that's, that's literally what this is about, isn't it? This is about we love Jesus so much and Jesus loved us so much to die on the cross for exactly. us. Exactly. In fact, Ephesians 5, the next verses say, we are members of his body and for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two become one flesh, and then Paul goes on, he says, it's a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the, and, and the church. And what many of us let slip from my mind is that while I love my wife, I fully commit to her, while I provide for her, protect her, die for her, I am fully expressing the love of God and his church and to the world around. And we all do the same. 
precious sprinkle goes on. You want to read that? Yeah. Um, the coming together of male and female in one flesh, union, tells God's story, both of his relationship to humanity and desire to reconcile all the beautiful diversity of creating, of creating in unity to himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, this is just, it's, very, it's a profound thought because when two people come together, you know, I think about, a lot of times I think of, I'm a kid, so I think about yeah. the Power Rangers, you know, when, when, when the Power Rangers come together, they form this like huge mega robot thing and it like goes and defeats the bad guys. But like this is literally it, like this is, when, a, when two godly people come together in one flesh and they have this union for the rest of their life, they are literally are like fight, they can use the Holy Spirit and they can okay. fight Satan. It is like insane. It's so crazy to me. I've never thought about Power Rangers at this time, but I, I am going to write Power Rangers down in my yeah, notes, so I'm ahead. not going to forget that. I think that's, that's really, really... Christ's love for the church, it's the pattern, right? Yeah. And it serves, I think, as the motivation for our marriages. Like, it's that high purpose of expressing the life of Christ through how we love our, our spouse. This is what you said earlier. Yeah. This is what we see as students when we go into other, other yeah. students' homes, right? Their yeah. friends' home. Um, William Barclay says this. Sometimes this passage is read as if the essence of it was the subordination of the wife to the husband. The single phrase, the husband is the head of the wife, is quoted in isolation. But there is far more in this passage than that. The basis of this passage is not control, it's love. Yeah. I love that. I love the way he says that. So let, let's talk about some things before we slide into chapter six here for a few minutes. Christ, Christ-like love for our spouse. Here's what it's going to look like, right? Um, it's going to look like this. It's going to look sacrificial. Yeah. Love that is sacrificial, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. This is, I, I love this kind of stuff. So if you, if you really love someone, you are going to you know, step down from your pedestal of whatever, and you're going to really serve. I mean, like I said, where Jesus served us and served the disciples, he washed their feet. Like, this is crazy. Think about like, if, I'm trying to think of like a, Bill Gates came down and just like, someone insanely powerful, just like crazy, came down to like, wash your feet. Like, that's insane to me, that someone so powerful and so good, and literally the perfect human, fully God and fully man came down and washed your, I mean, I would be blown away. Personally, I'd be just blown away. And so when I see people serve, I'm like, that is love right there. So yeah. like RFK, yeah. like yeah. People, people who have jobs and who have lives and who have burdens beyond what I can imagine, take a week out of their lives and go and serve, you know, kids who have maybe never felt yeah. true love. Like that to me is like, wow. Like yeah. that's love. I mean, you, we you love those You remember that, kids. don't you? You do remember those cases. I remember yeah. times when people come alongside me and go like, how can I help? What can I yeah. do? I'll do anything for you. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Ephesians five twenty six. How did Christ love the church? You know the answer, don't you? He submitted to the will of the Father. He died for it. That's the level of love, right? Uh, it's a love that deeply cares in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. A husband cares so much for his wife that it's on the same level as self-care. Yeah, a man loves his wife as he loves his own body. So I was explaining to one of the team members this morning, kind of joking around a little bit, that um, I said, can you notice a difference in my face? No. No, so, because I bought this um, Amish oil. <laughs> I did. 
And I smear it all over my face, you know, because mm-hmm. it's supposed to help you, right? Yeah. And so yeah. I, I, I did a wedding, my, my granddaughter's wedding this weekend, and one of the groomsmen says, is that your uncle? Uh, he looks like he's 40 years old. And I'm thinking, it's working. Wow. It's wow. working. The Amish oil is working. Like, we, t- we do things to take care of ourselves, don't we? I mean, so this is the level. So how much I care for me, I'm to care for my wife. Yeah. And there's an everlasting love, right? Love that, is, that has no end, right? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so what does Paul say about this? This mystery is profound, right? It refers to Christ and the church. As we live this, these things out, through our marriage relationships. As we serve him through our marriages, we display the character of Christ, his sacrificial love for all, and his care for for the body. This is what we do. This is fully expressing the life of Christ in our marriage marriage relationships, in all of our relationships where we're single or whatever, but particularly we're talking about marriage this morning. Christ cares and provides for his church. Well, we're going to slide into Ephesians 6, right? Yep. And uh, this is all about kids and uh, obeying your parents. Obeying the parents. So let's jump in. Yeah. Um, this is Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the, the, this is the first commandment with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, bring, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, so. Yeah, no, I mean. Obedience. Obedience. Parents, now, does, is it, is it. Does I'm it, great at this, but I was. Obedient? Oh, yeah. The most obedient. Oh, kid. yeah. <clears throat> I'll talk to your mom afterwards yeah. and see if, that, if that's true. Um, Paul. If I were to ask the question, what, what is the basis for a good parent-child relationship? Because Paul really helps us out with that. Mm-hmm. What's the ba- if you go like, I have a lousy um, uh, relationship with my parents. Um, there are things that go on. and We, we, we get that. Yeah. But I bet somewhere in there is this whole working out of obedience and disobedience in, in the life of a, yeah. of, of a child, right? Or a student. Um, Paul talks about um, what it looks like. And first of all, he says this, or brings us to this point, submission and obedience are two different things. Yeah. They're two different things. The call to submit in Ephesians 5.22 is different than the call to obey yeah. in 6.1. Obedience, Paul says in Colossians 3.20, is a life that, that pleases the Lord. So students, kids are called to a life of obedience to their kids. Yeah. Now, we're not going to go to the what ifs here for just a moment. This is the life that we're called to, right? Right. Yeah, and I mean, as a student and as a as a child, we we fully express you know obedience. We we fully oh, well, sorry. We fully express Christ when we obey our parents, especially when our parents are godly and loving and like really do care. I mean, you talk about what ifs. There's yeah. always what ifs, but like we we express Christ. We express how well our parents parent you know when when we show them like that we will obey even when we don't right. want to even when we want to go to bed at you know one in the morning or want to come home yeah, really late yeah. you know yeah obedience is really that's it because that shows the love that we have for our parents and the respect that we have for our parents. i think it's important for us to talk about something too and i think within the framework of, of the call for students to obey yeah. and kids to obey their kids we, we know <clears throat> that uh, we all go through different phases in life 
we all do. And children and students go through different, different phases. And obedience sometimes is learned, I mean, in hard, di- difficult ways. But when we've been talking about walking out the life of Christ, now at, at 1030 service, the whole balcony is going to be full of students because they're, they're all oh, yeah. going to be over here. We're going to talk about this. But when we talk about walking out the life of Christ, mm-hmm. um, it's not just adults. No. Right? No. It's, it's not just adults. It's not just people who have been, you know, in this faith journey for many, many years. It's all of us who claim to be followers of Jesus. Yeah. And students, this is what you're saying, I think, Natan. Yeah. Students um, fully express Christ when they walk in obedience to their parents, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... And I'd, I'd really encourage all of you, this is a great time to plug, um, there's a, on September 3rd, there's Sunday worship nights, I encourage everyone in this room, if you can, to come, because like, it's crazy, like these, these are students who lead worship, and you're, I mean, it's some crazy stuff that happens, but like, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I just, I, I don't know a better way to plug it it's than good, just to it's say, it's crazy good stuff, yeah, yeah. it's so beautiful, yeah. It's so just wonderful, and you'll see these students, these kids who are 14, 15, some even like middle schoolers who are just beautiful in how they worship God. Yeah. I mean, it's, so it's open to everyone. It's part so. of the expression of Christ. And then Paul goes on, and uh, he talks about something that is a part of this, this life, and he says this. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and you may live long in the land. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the deal. I tell my kids, like, you want a long life? Because I brought you in. I'll take you out, you know, right? Yeah. It's, it's obedience, right? And, and there's this promise that Paul is saying, like, this is connected. Now, um, what did Paul mean by, when he said this? He seems to be indicating that this commandment is primary, of primary importance to the yeah. kids, has a promise, and there's a general rule that's in play here. It's like the book of Proverbs, right? Yeah. Generally speaking, if you follow this pattern in your life, it's going to go well with you because this life of submission or obedience Mm -hmm. leads to a life of of self-discipline, right? Leading to longevity. So it's a a general rule, right? Of course. It's not a handbook, of course. You know, it's not like a, uh, this is what you're going to do. But like, this is a it's a really good, you know, basis and groundwork for like, this is, this is kind of what you should do. You yeah, know, this exactly. is how you should obey. And this is, this so is now that you have, uh, kind of helped teach us, you better not screw it up. I better not. No, it's okay. It's, there you go right there. Yeah. Well, finally, no par- pressure. Thanks. Tom. Yeah, it's it. okay. So finally, a parent's example is critical for raising godly children. And this is important. The fathers are addressed here because I think they represent the head of the family. I do believe, by the way, in a divine order, God, you know, yeah. husbands, fathers, wives, kids. There are, are many cases, of course, where in a variety of life, life circumstances, mothers lead in the absence of a father. But um, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's an example here that goes on. Paul talks about that. And when he says, fathers, don't, don't provoke your kids to anger. Things that can look like favoritism, um, rules that can cause discouragement in the life of your kids. Stay away from that. Rather, encourage them and replace these things with godly discipline and instruction. So it's fully living out this life of Christ, um, allowing his life to to work in us and through us and seen by others. And that's what I love about, one of the things I love about Gateway is that we're family-oriented, um, we see kids everywhere. Students that are involved in ministry. I was, I was 
I was really taken back a little bit about three or four weeks ago. I had a whole group of students um, come to me in the lobby. I think you were actually one of them too. And said, look, we, we want to be involved. We want yeah. to be involved in church. We want to be involved. And I think that's amazing. It I think God, I mean, for we, what he's doing. We really, like I said, like the students here are, it, it's, it's, it's really beautiful just to see yeah. that like Gateway has nurtured so many of like my friends and I would even call my family to, to just be stewards and yeah. just, just want to serve is. the Lord every day. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. We're going to pray in just a moment. And I'm, I, I'm going to ask you, if you're, if you're married, um, that perhaps you will say, God, here, we just want to fully express your life and our marriage relationship, whatever that might look like. It might mean that you're going to shift in some way or another, right? Maybe God is speaking to you about that. Um, students, we'll be talking to a lot of students at, at 1030. What's it going to look like for a student to walk in this same pattern, to walk in this in the same way? Um, what is God saying to you? I mentioned, oh gosh, I think it's been um, a number of months ago now. If you walk into our main office, there's a phrase there that says this, helping people take their next step toward Christ. And so my question is, what's your next step in your marriage relationship? What's your next step in your single singleness? What's your next step as a student? What's your next step? What's my next step? As together we fully express the life of Christ. I've said it many times. I'll say it again this morning. This is not about drawing people to a church, to a building, to gateway. This is about drawing people to Christ because the world today is in need of a Savior. Amen. Amen. And you and I get the chance to live this out every day. So let's stand together, shall we? And I'm going to pray and then we're going to, going to close in, in, in worship. But would you just offer yourself up to the Lord today? Would you do that? So Father... Thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to live out this life in such a way um, through, through the Spirit, Lord, you empower us to do so. Um, many of us are married. Many of us are, are, are in a single uh, uh, one family, Lord, it's just us. And we're committed to this life, committed to this journey of expressing you, Lord. And some are younger and some are older, but in all phases of life, you call us to walk in a way that honors you, that glorifies your name. And so I would pray that you would just speak to us again this morning. Um, help us to take that next step. I thank you for the power of your word that, that speaks to our heart. And God, there are, there are some of us, husbands, wives, perhaps that will take a new step, another step and fully reflecting who you are through our marriage relationship. There are some of us in our singleness, we're going to take another step, the next step, and fully expressing you. There are students today that will take the next step in fully expressing you, living out this high purpose of bringing glory to your name and making the name of Jesus famous. I thank you because this is what we get to do together. It's a faith community here, located in this part of our county, and I pray that we do that every day in Jesus' name. Amen. of the school year when we have graduation at Cross Point, we sing the song, uh, The Blessing, to send out our seniors as a last act of corporate worship um, as families, as with loved ones, with faculty, with staff. Um, and this, um, uh, this past June, my middle son graduated, and uh, my husband and I had the privilege of sending him off to college, and 
uh, we went to chapel with him when we dro- dropped him off at the Naval Academy. And um, at chapel, they spoke the name of Jesus. They read from the Bible. They called out sin. They prayed protection over them. And then they had the parents um, have their kids, their freshmen, to come to the front. They called plebes, come to the front. So the parents could lay hands on them and that we could pray over them. And then at the end of that beautiful moment, they had us all worship together to launch our children um, by singing the song, The Blessing. And I thought, Lord, Lord, you are so good. Every fear, every, everything, anxiety that I had about leaving my child there washed away as he just confirmed for me that he's in the right place. And I thought, how beautiful would it be if we could launch our children in the beginning of the school year uh, with the blessing as well. Every child that's going either to public school, private school, home school, anywhere, for our faculty and our staff that are working either at Gateway or fighting the battle in the public schools, or your homeschool mom and dads, I've been there, God bless you. Um, so if we could all worship together and sing this blessing over our children as they uh, leave for school, whether it be college or elementary, middle, high school, preschool, all of it, won't you join me?
Yeah. 